Good morning and Happy New Year. My name is Jace Albright, and I'm a community group leader, and I serve on the board of directors. And I know it's hard to believe, but it's already 2022. It sounds so futuristic to me, and I can't wait to see what this new year brings, because the last couple of years haven't always been what we thought they were going to be. Each year, I like to take a look back at the past year and look at key moments and see what things that God was trying to teach me, what I did do, what I didn't do, what I wanted to do. And I try to find areas that I want to see improvement. And then I set goals so that I can hopefully improve in those areas over the next year. I quit making New Year's resolutions because if you're anything like me, I tend to set the bar really high. And then come March, I tend to stop making progress towards those. Going into 2020, one in four Americans said that they made a New Year's resolution. And we can all guess how many of those actually were accomplished. So at the start of a new year, we often look forward at what we want and we start to hope for things. And we start to hope that maybe this year I'll get in shape or maybe I'll get that car, that video game I really wanted. Or maybe I I hope that the lockdowns will end or hope this pandemic will be over or I hope that I won't have pain anymore or I hope that my loved one won't be sick anymore. Or I hope I get that job that I applied for, or I get into the college I really want to. There's a lot of hope. But the problem with statements like these is that it's often the world's way of hope. And that's not the same thing as biblical hope. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The hope we see here in this verse is not the same thing as the world's hope. If we're supposed to be prepared to give the reason for the hope that we have, we have to ask ourselves, is this the same hope that we see in the Bible or is it the world's hope? There is a difference in what the world defines as hope and biblical hope. The hope of the world is more akin to optimism. It's choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. Merriam-Webster defines hope as to want something to happen or be true and think that it could happen or be true. It's desire. It's wishful thinking. It's wanting something to happen or be true, but it's founded in desire, not in fact. Biblical hope is not focused on circumstance. In fact, hopeful people of the Bible often recognize there is no evidence that things will get better, but they chose hope anyway. Recently, I had a great opportunity to live this verse out. A few weeks ago, I lost the job I had for over 10 years. I was informed on a Tuesday afternoon via a very impersonal email that my religious exemption for the vaccine mandate was denied. There were other people in my department with religious exemptions who were approved, but for some reason I was the only one who was denied. And this actually came as a shock to everyone. There was no explanation, no reasoning, just a letter of denial and a time frame to my termination. I received a lot of support from patients and from my coworkers and from family and friends during that time, many who were really upset about how everything unfolded. Some patients cried. Some said they were going to call or write letters to complain. But in some of my coworkers who exemptions were improved were actually full of fear. And they just kept saying, it's only a matter of time before it's my turn, before I get fired, too. Many I talked to were angry, and I could have very easily joined in their anger. So why shouldn't I be angry? I've been a faithful employee for over a decade. Why was I the one singled out to lose my job? Or how could they fire me right before Christmas? Or I could have very easily given in to fear. How will I provide for my family? 
How am I going to pay my bills? How long will it be before I find another job? Am I going to have to work two or three jobs just to make ends meet? But even though there were people at work who were angry or shocked or sad, I was actually full of peace. I had hope for what was to come and had many opportunities to give the reason for the hope that I had for the future with others in my final days, especially those coworkers whose exemptions were approved when mine wasn't. The thing is, is that biblical hope isn't wishing things will work out how we want them to, but it's rather putting your faith in God. One of the Hebrew words we translate into hope or waiting is kava. This is an active form of waiting with anticipation. It's a word picture of a cord that's wound tight. And as the cord is pulled and wound tighter and tighter, the tension increases. And this is the same tension you feel when you're waiting with anticipation. It's like the cord as it's pulled and the tension increases and you're just waiting for it to snap and for the tension to be released. This is kind of the same thing you may have felt as a kid. We just had Christmas. There's all the presents under the tree. And you could be sitting there waiting, looking at the presents, just waiting for Christmas to come to see what was in there. Or it might be how a dog might feel when he's waiting on his master to come home, sitting by the door and just waiting, hearing a car pull up in the driveway and the door close and the dog's just ready for the door to open. This is all waiting, that tension you feel when you're waiting with anticipation. Hope is putting your faith in God, waiting with anticipation on him while you continue to do your part and move forward with what you know to be right before God. Losing your job is not the only kind of trouble we face in life. There's injury, there's illness, there's financial hardship, conflict with your friends and family. Our life is full of hard times. But as we try to live life God's way, he promises to use our trouble for good and he builds our hope. God does not let trouble go to waste. Romans 5, 3 through 5 tells us that not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Biblical hope is built as we go through suffering, not around it. It is God's past faithfulness that gives us hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. We can rejoice in our sufferings because when God has promised that he will do something, you can put your trust in that promise. You wait with anticipation for God to come through, trusting in his past faithfulness, confident because you know that God promises to use our sufferings, those hard times, for our good, to build endurance, character, and hope as his love is poured into us. Losing your job in the holidays without a backup plan can be quite frightening. I can totally understand why so many people in my shoes are fearful and angry. The only reason I was able to have peace was because I've seen God come through for me time and time again in the past. Before my wife and I had kids, we realized that I needed to, ch- needed to change careers if we were going to one day be able to stay home and have her stay home with our kids, as my current job didn't pay enough. We had already been married for two years and had to make the hard decision to further delay having kids so that I could go to graduate school and become a physical therapist. I had to do several prerequisite classes, all of which were in high demand, 
and we didn't have enough money for her to stop working. So how are we going to live off of her income only so that I could go to school for three time full time for three years? We talked to people wiser than us at church and asked for advice. We prayed and ultimately we made our decision and stepped out in faith. Unsure how I would get into those required classes, how I was going to do that and go to school and be done in a timely manner so we could start a family, or how we're even going to pay for it all. The great thing was that as we stepped out in faith, we saw God provide repeatedly during that time. He got me into those high-demand classes. He provided unexpected pay increases for Tracy so that we could afford to pay our bills, and he got me into grad school and out all in about four years. We also had some unexpected expenses come up during that time that we weren't sure how to pay for, and God provided the money so that I didn't have to stop school or I didn't have to try to juggle school and a job at the same time. Also during that time, we unexpectedly were able to buy our first home, and we had our son. These are both things that we didn't think were possible, but especially not possible until I finished school, and God provided those for us as well. God provided me with jobs when I was done that allowed for Tracy to stay home with our newborn son as we originally wanted to do. Each step came as we walked with God and stepped out in faith, trusting in his provision and timing, and time and time again, he came through for us. Biblical hope isn't focused on getting what we want. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So rather than focusing on getting what we want, Peter tells us to set our hope on the grace, on God's unmerited favor toward us, that will be fully revealed when Christ returns. Our hope is a future hope, focusing on what is to come, not only on our present circumstances. In the verses before this, Peter instructs the Christians to live a godly life, Grounded in the saving work of Christ. God's grace isn't just for the past when we first came to Christ and he forgave our sins. It's not only for the present where we stand in grace before God day to day, but it's also in God's future grace that will be more fully realized when Christ returns. Believers are to live in hope, in biblical hope even now, demonstrating that their greatest desire is for the perfect completion of the work that has begun in them. We are to be future-minded, keeping our minds set on an eternal perspective. When you know the end of the story, it's much easier to endure suffering and see God build character and produce hope in us. The Christian's hope is rooted in a God who is sovereign and keeps his promises. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 shows us God's sovereignty. It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is above all things, and in him all things hold together. So if God is not fully sovereign, if he's not fully in control, then that means that all you can rely on is either luck or your own efforts. What else can you put your hope in? But but since God is sovereign, he is fully in control, and he can be trusted with our future. God also keeps his promises. Psalm 145, 13b says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. When your hope isn't rooted in Christ, it's easy to drift from hope into fear and worry. 
When your future isn't secure, it's easy to begin to feel anxious or fearful. When you remove God from the equation, we begin to try to control the situation or try to control others around us in order to get what we want. And this all becomes more about self-preservation than hope. I grew up in Texas, and I came out here to California to go to college. Once here, I married a California girl, and I never left. Early in our marriage, there were several times where it seemed like the best thing would be moved to Texas rather than staying in California. California was expensive. It's crowded. and The people here just seemed really self-centered and only appeared to care about themselves. There's too much traffic, and we thought that we'd never be able to live in a place big enough to support a family. It seemed like the best place to raise a family would be back in Texas. My parents were there, we could buy a home, and it would cost a lot less. I also had some unresolved conflict with a friend that I just really wanted to get away from. I thought that life would be easier and it would be better for my family if we up and moved to Texas. But the reality was that I was afraid that my family and I were not going to have the best life if we stayed here. I was trying to push what I wanted without considering what was right before God. As I talked to wise leaders and friends, they helped me see that it wasn't God who was calling me to Texas, but really, I was afraid and I was trying to secure and get what I wanted and avoid the struggles and the tensions all here in California. I was advised to stay put until God called me somewhere else. I was told to put my hope in God and trust him with my future plans. So rather than securing it with my own strength and my own power, put my hope in God and trust him to come through. Well, I heeded the advice of my leaders and my friends, and I just plugged into Church in the Valley. And through that, God brought so much blessing to me and my family through the body of Christ as we stuck around that I I couldn't have imagined how good it could be. They helped me see that many of the things that frustrate me about living here The perceived arrogance, the anger, the busyness, the stress, all those things that bothered me were really outward signs of what was going on in people's hearts. They need what I have. And if they could experience a type of community like I have that loves and encourages me and helps me through these hard times and they're by my side, and if they could see how to live life God's way, their marriages would be better the relationships would be better with their parents, with their kids, with their bosses, their coworkers, their friends. All of these things are real when we plug into the body and we put our hope in God. I am so grateful I didn't act out of fear and leave Church in the Valley and leave California, but instead listened to my leaders and put my hope in Christ and to take care of my family as I stuck around and listened to God. And I've experienced so much blessing that I'm really grateful I didn't leave. When we become focused on ourselves, on our future, on our circumstances, our problems, we begin to turn inward and we stop connecting with those around us, with the church body, with the community. And this begins to lead to discouragement and isolation, which is a really dangerous place to be. Instead of experiencing peace, we feel fear. Instead of joy, we experience anxiety and depression. And this is where a lot of my coworkers were. They began to fear losing their jobs and their livelihoods, along with the future hopes that they had. Now, I don't know what was going on in their hearts, but if I had to guess, it didn't seem like their hope was set in God and in his faith and his sovereignty, but instead their hope was in their dreams and what they wanted to accomplish in the future. When we look back at First Peter 3.15, 
we're instructed to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. So how do you communicate the hope that you have with people who don't believe in Christ? Philippians 4, 4 through 7 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Philippian church was undergoing some troubles with disunity, with false teachers, and persecution. They were no stranger to trouble. Here Paul is telling them to rejoice. How is it possible to rejoice when there's conflict and trouble? We are able to rejoice in times of trouble because the Lord is near. When you're able to put your hope in God, who keeps his promises, who is sovereign, you can experience peace, not worry, and not fear. When I got that email that I only had a few days left of work, my heart sunk. I knew it was a possibility, but I didn't know it would actually happen. People kept saying, oh, it won't happen. It won't happen. Well, it happened. But I really wasn't worried or afraid. As as we have trusted God and tried to do what was right before him, he has shown Tracy time and time again that he has our back. There have been many times over the years where I would feel overwhelmed and begin to worry, feel worried or anxious. Work has been stressful, or I didn't have enough money to pay the bills at some time, or I had conflict in a relationship, or I got injured and was in pain. If you know me, I get hurt a lot. And at some point, someone shared this passage with me and encouraged me to pray it back to God. And since then, I have prayed Philippians 4, 6, and 7 back to God many, many times asking him to take that worry and anxiousness from me and give me peace. As I have turned those tough situations over to him and put my hope in him and his provision, he has taken my worry and he's given me that peace. So when I got that email that I only had five days left of work, first thing I did was I stopped and I prayed and I asked God to help me not to worry. Over the next few days, as I closed out that 10 plus year journey, I felt a lot of sadness about saying goodbye to some coworkers who had turned into brothers and very dear friends of mine. But at the same time, I experienced this deep peace that I truly had a hard time expressing. I had no worry and no fear about the next steps, even though I had no plans and no job lined up at all. How was it that I could lose my job right before Christmas and not only not be worried, but actually have peace and joy? It's because God is sovereign He keeps his promises, and he is near. It's about remembering God's past faithfulness to my wife and I that gave me hope for the future. One of the promises I held on to, since God keeps his promises, was Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We can trust God to do good for us, even through hard or unjust situations. Losing my job in December absolutely could have derailed me, but I had peace because I knew that God would turn this bad situation into a good one. Why? Because he's done it before. Even though I didn't have any other job prospects lined up, I wasn't afraid because I knew that my provision was not from my job. My provision comes from God, 
and he's going to provide in a different way than he's done for the past decade. I had no fear about that. He would do it. I also knew that God would meet all of our needs. Romans 8.32 tells us, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If the Father has already, has already given us his ultimate gift, how can we think that he won't give us even the smaller needs that we need? He's already met our greatest need. He's freed us from slavery to sin and to, from death, from guilt and from shame and given us hope. So we can surely trust God to meet our day-to-day needs. Within a week of losing my job, I had friends reach out to people they knew who then contacted me and asked me to apply for jobs. I had, by the end of that week, I had five interviews and four job offers. I really did not expect I was going to have to choose. I was overwhelmed at God's kindness. God showed me that as I sought to do what was right before him and put my hope in him, that he would meet my needs. He gave me a peace that I really fully couldn't understand. He met my needs and he turned this bad situation into a good one. My hope wasn't in my job or in my savings or in my circumstances. My hope was in my father who wants good for those who love him. I chose to hope because of God's past faithfulness, having endured trouble in the past, and knowing that he keeps his word and would turn the bad into good, even if I couldn't see how. I may have made it seem like this journey was an easy process, but each of the verses I've discussed today were ones that God used to help me get me through this period. There were periods of worry and fear and anger early on when this process first started, but what I try to communicate today is that the truths that God has taught me over the past couple of months are ones that you can put your hope in. I had to put my hope in God, trusting that in his promises found in scripture, and then take the next step forward in faith. I had to wait on him with anticipation as he came through. But what about the situations that aren't resolved? This situation's turned out great so far. There's no question. But not all situations turn out the way we want them to. Right now, I have family members with cancer who I'm praying for to be healed, and there's one who may not recover. I have an 11-year-old son with special needs who I still have never had a conversation with. I pray for him every day, and I ask God to please give him the ability to speak to me. It's one of the things I want most in this life is to speak to my son. And God may, and he may not. He may not heal my family. He may not heal my son so he can speak. You may be going through hard times or trouble, and you may ask God to take this trouble away, and he may not. But our hope, I don't know what God's plan is for my son or my family, but I still have hope for them. This hope is not optimism or wishful thinking, but it's in a sovereign, loving father who keeps his promises. You have to remember and trust that God does not let your suffering or your trouble go to waste, but he will use it for your good. The bottom line is that you can trust God amidst an uncertain future. When we put our hope in God, in his goodness, and his promises, we are freed up from worry. Worry about our future, worry about the situation you're facing, worried about the trouble ahead of you. We can trust God with the outcome, that he will take care of us. We can look past ourselves, which frees us up to put the goals and interests of others above our own. It allows us to make the hard choices knowing that we may even have to pay a price because you know that God will turn these bad situations into good ones. This doesn't mean we won't face hard times. It's actually quite the opposite. 
It means that we can face hard times with confidence and have peace amidst the turmoil, knowing that God is sovereign, that he keeps his promises, and that he will use the bad for your good. So what about you? There's some next steps in our listening guide that you can refer to as we wrap things up here. There's a new year ahead of you. So what are you putting your hope in? Are you trusting in yourself, your abilities, your efforts, your strengths, or are you trusting in God and his faithfulness? It's a choice. You have to choose what you're going to put your hope in. Trusting God with your future takes faith. And the first step is trusting in Christ as the boss or Lord of your life. Our God is a loving father who wants good for your life and wants to help you through tough times. If you aren't sure where you stand before God, there's a lot of people at Church in the Valley who would love to talk to you and help you figure that out. Entrusting your future to God is a step of faith, one that will actually change your life. If you want to have a better relationship with your spouse, with your coworker, boss, kids, parents, teachers, whoever, if you want to have a solid hope that sustains you when you face trouble and suffering and turmoil, it starts with giving your life to God and trusting him enough to do what he says, to live life his way. If you've already chosen to follow God and make him the boss of your life, are you prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have with when trouble arises? If you aren't sure how to trust God in an area of trouble you're facing, ask for help. The great thing about the body of Christ is that you aren't alone. There are people here who want to help you. You don't have to try to figure this out by yourself. Get wise counsel, ask for help, and then choose to put your hope in God as you step out in faith and do life his way, trusting in God, in his sovereignty, in his goodness, and that as you keep his, that he will keep his promises to build hope in you and turn all things out for good as you love and follow him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time where we can see that we can put our hope in you. We don't have to trust in our strength or our efforts, or the circumstances around us, because let's face it, there's a lot of hard times coming ahead, Father. But you are good, you are sovereign, you are near, and you keep your promises. So we ask, God, as we face this new year ahead of us with hope, and biblical hope, we can have, we can wait with anticipation to see what you're going to do to bring good into our lives as we love and trust you to do what you say and in a, in a way that follows you. We thank you for this new year ahead of us, and we pray that you bless our church and uh, continue to bring others around us. And it's your son's name we pray. Amen.